Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And you know, David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking about sex, sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. We're going to talk a lot about relationships today. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. So do you ever wonder why some of the most beautiful models and actors in the world have to reinvent themselves every few years to stay on top of their passions and interests and stay relevant in today's world of media moguls and influencers? On today's show, we're going to be talking with a love and relationship expert who started off as a Playboy model, author, actress, media personality, and is currently completing her master's degree in marriage and family therapy. We're going to have a blast sharing her stories and her trade secrets. And at the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about some softcore porn that she did. So stay tuned. This is one of those shows you want to be here right to the end. But before we get going, we want to take a minute to talk about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets it's 100 percent waterproof and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets from messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness you just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new and you don't have to leave your house to get one simply and safely go to amazon and order yours today search top waterproof blanket that's t-o-p waterproof blanket Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and holy moly, we have an amazing guest for you today. Erica Jordan is a love and relationship expert, author, media personality, and a leader in the field of digital romance and online dating. What about the time she did on Playboy TV? Oh, she's going to tell us all about that. We're going to get into that as well. Erica, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day, direct from California, and welcome well, thank you for having me. We are so excited to be starting our conversations all about sex and and uh, all the sex. things that you've We're done. We're talking about sex. We will be, yes, and all the things that you've done in your career and the journey, the long journey you've had. But let's start a little bit about what's happening with you today. Tell us a little bit how COVID, COVID-19, has changed your world in 2020. I think more so for my son than for me because there's no daycare, there's no mommy and me classes or gymbery or anything. It's just the park every day. Um, I've had to take things a lot more virtual, but that kind of is the direction I wanted to go anyway. So it's just kind of accelerated that process for me. What about the Um, dating and sex? Like, how has that changed? You know, I think that it's, for most people, I feel like this is there's an advantage even. Um, I think for a lot of people that were really awkward and had a lot of trouble starting conversations with people, this gives them a chance to, to hide behind their computer screen and think about what they're going to say before they say it. And it gives people a chance to get to know each other a little more before they actually meet. So it's kind of eliminating some of the dead ends that they would normally be subjected to. So so are you, are you, are you in a relationship? Are you 
doing the virtual thing? Do you have someone like living with you? Most of the time, it's just me and my kid. Mm-hmm. I see. So you're you're you've gotten into your pile of sex toys, and that's what's keeping <laughs> your sex life active. I'm so grateful that people always send me free things. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have, have so many, you have no idea. It, you would think I have wild sex parties here. Um, I, I I got to a point where I realized I, I can't because my kid was a baby, and at first I was masturbating out in the open because hello, he's a baby. And then one day I saw him take my vibrator and put it on his diaper, and then that. <laughs> so, yeah. Oops. Got it. Got it. And uh, what has become your favorite sex toy during COVID? You know, I'm still a fan of the Hitachi. Mm. Carol, it's a tried and true. I'm. I, I just you need that power. You gotta plug it in. Well, I definitely like the Hitachi, but I really love my Womanizer. I just have to keep going. I go always go back to my Womanizer at the end of the day. So what is this? Oh, What's the womanizer? Oh, wow. Maybe we might have to send her a womanizer, Maybe, David. maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a, it's a toy that has a suction on the end, and it's an air technology, ah. so it doesn't actually s- vibrate your clit as per, per se. It, it moves air over your clit, and it gives such a soft and general sensation directly on your clit, and it really makes you feel nice. Takes me maybe thirty. Do you have one that you like? Because I I was sent one by a company, and I thought the suction was was relatively non-existent. Oh, there's only there's only one womanizer. It's called the womanizer. Right, and there are some knockoffs that don't have the same technology. Yeah. Yes, that was probably what Mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we can get into sex toys a little bit later, and great sex matters at the end of the show. But I want to know about your career, how it started, especially with Playboy. I was 19 when I became the weather girl for the weekend flash. Uh, it's legitimate news while taking off your clothes, which I think should have been successful. What the news is depressing. It needs a little, <laughs> right? a little action. But for whatever reason, popular in Canada, popular in Germany, not so much in the States. That's funny. Um, and then after that, totally busted, which was amazing. It's a hidden camera show, and we never used fake marks. We always really pranked people. And so really elaborate and so much fun. I mean, as a kid, you prank people. You'd never think that's an actual job. And when you throw in some boobs, people are so oblivious to this seems abnormal. Maybe I'm on some kind of show. It's like it takes down that wall and it lets you get a lot further it was so much fun now which fast forward now before before you move on with that i know (laughs) that you just did an episode with one of our good friends laura desiree from talk naked and naked news and we actually co-produced talk naked with her and um how was it talking to laura i mean we've been naked with her on the beach we've done we've been in bed with her doing uh, dating uncovered so it was me between the two girls she is absolutely tremendous and so so your episode with her on talk naked is going to actually be up on our tree in a couple of weeks oh cool I love her. See, Naked News is a perfect example of an extremely successful news-based show with lots of nudity. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So when you were doing The Weather Girl um, on Playboy, did you have to like squirt so it showed like when it was (laughs) raining outside, you were raining as well? (laughs) See, maybe that's what it was missing. Exactly. Then it would have been... Yeah, David would definitely have been watching. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and was it was it a sexual thing for you being naked doing the news, or was it just you know being an anchor and doing your job? 
You know, for me, I'm from Germany, nude beaches everywhere. Yeah. I was running around naked. I never had that connection necessarily that automatically because you're naked, you're being sexual. It's just the human body. It's out there. I think what I'm doing when I'm naked is what makes it sexual or not for sexual. For sure, for cool. sure. And at home, are you a nudist? Do you like to be naked when you have a chance? I like being scantily clad. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Nice. And there you go. We have to get her to come to Hito with us where she can be naked whenever she wants. Right. It's it's such a beautiful beach. We'll talk about Hito a little bit later. But you were also in your early career like a party starter. What, What was that all about? So at the Playboy Mansion, it's mostly females. And they would give you a set time like, okay, 10, 12 p.m. You just no matter where you were, you just rip off your clothes and you jump in the water. But it's interesting the effect it had because um, 20 women at least would take their beautiful makeup and hair and just jump in that water with me and, you know, rip off their clothes too. And it it really did start the party. Wow. Um, I wonder if they do this all the time. It's really effective. <laughs> and at the Playboy parties like that, was there like a lot of sex? Was it a big orgy or was it just sexy naked people flirting flirting i i wish i could say i know that there's obviously orgies well things going on at the playboy mansion but years and years of parties i didn't actually get to see that myself um i think it's so hyped up and probably a lot of the action happens maybe after the parties or in hidden rooms because there's a lot of hidden rooms um, I my co-host Andrea Lowell. I don't know if she or she was. She's a big Playboy TV personality. We had a lot of fun at the Playboy Mansion. And then when I went on her show, and I was like, "Do you remember all those times we made out at the Playboy Mansion?" She's like, "No, I was an alcoholic back then. I don't remember any of it." <laughs> um, that is funny. It was super memorable for me, but okay. Wow, that's good. That's amazing. All right, so let's move from Playboy into movies. I mean, you've been in hundreds yeah. of different productions. Um, well, yeah, a lot of. Uh, I think when you're comfortable with nudity, you get kind of pigeonholed, and then you do a lot of nudity. So it kind of. Uh, I did a lot of Cinemax and HBO movies, which um, have a lot of simulated love scenes. In fact, that's kind of how it works. Is every I think six to seven minutes, someone has to start having sex. That's the rule of the script. Okay. And the script is written that way. So there's an opportunity. No one just jumps in out of the blue and and starts having sex. But it's written that way. Wouldn't it be cool if life was like that? I know, right? That would be a lot of fun. It's really funny. Like, I know at one time I was like, you know, I was being, there was a laser beam coming at me and I was tied up, but you know, it was about to be the seven minute mark. So my my trusty sidekick was coming to save me but you know the time happened and then she had to stop and have some wild threesome and then come save me (laughs) (laughs) that's really fun and these are the kind of things that are still aired today is it something can people still find these kind of productions not as much i mean i know they're on amazon prime and places like that but hbo and cinemax has decided to go more conservative more action less sex Mm -hmm. well things do change over the time and that's one of the reasons why you do have to reinvent yourself all the time. And that's kind of where you moved on to the next thing that got your interest or your passion. And you, what was one of the favorite things that you did, though, remembering back in those days? Was there something so special that you'll never forget? 
Oh, so much of it was special. I mean, Playboy really changed my life. It was like a second home for me at the time. And it really just spoiled me rotten because, I mean, they, they treated me so well back then. I think they went bankrupt towards the end of my time with Playboy. So I got to ride that last final wave. And there was just so much about it that was great. I couldn't even pick a specific moment. Now, the Playboy Mansion still exists, though, right? No. Uh, no, oh, it was closed? purchased by a first the guy that, that owns Twinkies, I think, or his dad owned Twinkies, did they sell it again after that? And then they renovated it. I wonder how much they wow, renovated it. That's cause... true. I remember that happening now. I, a long time ago, I took a, a tour of LA, and that was one of the stops that all the, the tourists take, is they have to stop in front of the gates there. So you kind of can just peer in a little bit. You can't really see anything, but you know that that's what's happening behind those doors and behind those gates. Of fun. Hugh Hefner was a legend, but he had a lot of it was timing. If he had done what he was doing then, now no one would have cared. That's right. Been, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was not. It's not taboo today, but it was back then. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in your repertoire, Trailblade. in your repertoire, you also became a, a trainer and a personal health coach. When and how did that fit into all of your, you know, your movies and being at sexuality? Yeah. Yeah, and and being in the sexual industry. That was really a selfish thing more than anything. I wanted to really understand what I was doing at the gym and with my body. So I thought, why not really embrace it and go into it and then teach others? I was a trainer at Equinox for a while. But then I, I as I transitioned into love coaching, I, I really felt like so much of it is fitness and health. Um, so many people are, you know, really out of shape, really unhealthy, and they want to meet a supermodel. And they think that if they just learn how to talk to her, and it's unfair to expect your partner to take really good care of themselves, and but you don't. So there's, there's, there's definitely a connect and sex. I mean, how much better is sex when mm-hmm. you're eating right and working out? Mm-hmm. Whoa, blood mm-hmm. flow. Mm-hmm. So, so you must love our tagline, which is happy, healthy, and horny. And it's yeah. not just a tagline, it's a way that we live mm-hmm. and we believe that, you know, if you're not he- happy, you can't be really healthy. And if you're not healthy, you can't be happy. And if you're not happy and healthy, you definitely cannot be horny and have great sex. It's so true. It's mm-hmm. so true. People don't want to hear it because that's what your mom would say. Are you eating your vegetables? But it's really true. And so many people think that beautiful models are born that way and they don't actually have to work out because that's just how they are. I'm assuming that that's just not true. <laughs> maybe when you're 20. <laughs> okay, maybe when you're 20, you don't have to do it. I remember um, I made the top 100 in Playboy, and they and I had a photo shoot, and I had an in. I was in my early 20s, so I had a um, in and out burger, double double, and a shake, and that's what I had to prep for this shoot. And now. I have nothing but vegetable juice for three days straight. I train for months on end. It's like weeks and weeks of preparation. For the, for the photo shoot. Yeah, very different. And I think today it's a lot more competitive because there's so much photoshopping that can happen in a photo shoot as well that even if you're not absolutely perfect, it can look perfect at the end of the day. But it's better if okay. you know that you're perfect or the best you possibly can going into the photo shoot. I agree. Yeah. I like the fact that you don't need to be perfect today to be a model. There's a lot less judging and it's okay to be who you are. There's so many of the um, superstar models and celebrities out there that are going without makeup and without their fancy mm-hmm, clothes mm-hmm. and just saying, accept me for who mm-hmm, I am. Are mm-hmm. you seeing that also, Erica? I am. I mean, uh, the just the recent cover 
as a, a guy, but it, be wearing a dress, which shatters the gender norms, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's such a big deal. And you received so much backlash for it. But it's a big step in, you know, the world of gender and equality. And, well, what I really like on Instagram lately is that cellulite and dimples in your butt and things like that being shown. And the message is, don't judge me for that. That's how our so female, that's how the female body is made. We have a lot more fat than men do in general. And they don't understand that going to the gym is not going to take away your cellulite or your dimples in your butt. That's natural. And that's what keeps us healthy as we have at least 10% more fat than men. I love than your men. dimples. Thank you, baby. You have cute ones on Thank your butt. You. you do. But a lot of guys don't realize that, that that's just the way we are. And the way we stretch and put our butts out, it can smooth it for a photo shoot. However, right. uh, naturally, when we just stand up normally, those dimples show. Right? I, I love when you stand up in your heels, you bend over, I see your butt mm-hmm, and your pussy mm-hmm, from behind. That's my mm-hmm, favorite, favorite, mm-hmm. favorite view. But we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm getting all horny and <laughs> hard over here. I want I want to know, because the second segment of our show is all about Erica's coaching, I want to know how you got into become a love and relationship coach. Well, I... I've always wanted to be a therapist, and I think because of my background and society being so judgmental, I thought, hmm, what can I get into where my background might even make sense, where I won't receive a lot of shit for it? Um, And that, of course, is as a sex educator. And I thought, you know, being comfortable with your sexuality, embracing it is such a big, important part of life. I mean, you know, women are constantly being ashamed for for being a mom and wearing a revealing top or, or whatever the case may be, we're still stuck on these little basic things when it, it's so empowering to just embrace your sexuality. And if that means, you know, being a polygamist or if that means incorporating a feather in your usually vanilla sex, you know, it's just about empowering yourself sexually and living your ultimate sex life. Right. And expressing whether it is what we wear or what we say, we should be able to express our sexuality freely and not feel shame or guilt that we talk this way or look this way. Like, uh, what's the, the march they do? It's really interesting. The What is it called? Slut march or something? Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Just so- being proud of it, right? So 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 you got into coaching how and when and and who's the first person you you coached? Ooh, first person. Well, actually um I was doing a talk show and I was hosting it and the person who was um, one of the sponsors was a was sexsearch.com, yeah. And they told me, look, you know, this is our sponsor. Mention them constantly. And I thought, well, that's easy for me because online dating is my preferred method of dating. So I just, every time some, I saw an opportunity to, oh, but have you tried online dating? Sexsearch.com. And the company liked me so much. They hired me to answer sex and dating questions for their members. And at first, I had to research and really properly answer everybody. And I got really hooked because I got those messages like, oh, I tried that thing. And I, I'm so excited and so proud of myself. Oh, I met this girl and I wouldn't have done it without you. And I felt like a little superhero. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. I want I want to help people have a better love life or a love life. <laughs> and just, you know, it just felt so good. It just felt right. You know, it just clicks. And that's something you're still doing today? Yes. I mean, I, I want, as I'm getting my degree, which takes forever, I wanted to be able to coach in the field. I'm not working for Sex Search anymore. That okay. was about five years. 
So now I, I just I transition into creating a six week course called Playmate Pickup, the Art of Pickup, and um, it's just acquiring the skills to approach women with confidence and getting them to want you. Wow, we're gonna get into that in the second segment. Yeah, so we're just gonna ask you to hold that thought yeah. for the moment because we are gonna move on. Just let's remind everybody that we are the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carolyn David, and we're talking with Erica Jordan a love and relationship coach. And we're going to get more into that coming up soon. Stay tuned. So, you know, people have been asking us what's changed after four years of doing the podcast. Well, a lot has. But to be honest, the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples. You know what I'm talking about. Men tend to finish before their female partners. You've heard us talk about Promescent for years. Their urologist-developed FDA-compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64% longer without loss of sensation. And it's great because promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at askatcarolindavid.com and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. Okay, we're back. And before we get into continuing with Erica Jordan, we want to take a minute to remind you about our new partnership with altplayground.net. That's altplayground.net. Yeah, if you're looking for a sexy, erotic, open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, you should join altplayground.net. It's a lifestyle site that's expanding to include lots of amazing lifestyle resources that will connect you with other like-minded folks like us. Absolutely, like us. Alrighty, you know we're Carolyn David. This is the sexy lifestyle, and now we're gonna get back to having to talking with love and relationship coach Erica Jordan. So Erica, we know you have your courses, your online courses, and we talked about it just earlier. We mentioned it, the art of pickup, which is designed to help men acquire the skills to approach women with confidence and leave them wanting more. So let's talk about those pain points that guys have that where they're having difficulties getting the love that they imagine or the person that they imagine. What are those five, five main pain points that you cover in your course? Um, well, I definitely cover multiple uh, points per week. Um, and I think it depends on the person, which is why I really recommend personalized guidance because I think every person is different I'm so not a fan of those people that are like if you just read this one book everyone will have it figured out because yeah that might work for this person but not necessarily for everyone else um just um getting men out of their head and and more focused on the person they're talking to is a big one because especially if you have anxiety you're just wondering am i saying this right uh, do i come across as this and just all these things does she really like me and women can sense that they can sense that you're not present in this moment and that you're thinking about something else or whatever and you come across as frazzled or 
or being slightly off and just being present in the moment, which is something you can practice with mindfulness, is really helpful to having a conversation in any context. Yeah, absolutely. And what about listening skills so that they're listening to the partner or their their person they're talking to instead of, again, having the conversation with themselves that they're actually listening to the person they're talking to? Yes, or coming up with fine points of what to say next. I think it's very human to be to want to interject something interesting. So they're talking, you're thinking of something interesting to say, you're trying to get there, and then you vomit it out, but you denied yourself this opportunity to really connect with this person because they said something that, you know, you could have said something that's more on that on that level. And people, women, I mean, I think everybody, feel they feel a connection with someone when you're really listening to them. And you can just take little mental notes. I always tell my clients to actually take little notes here and there so that, you know, later on, like maybe you're talking to the same girl a week later and you could be like, so, you know, how did Fifi like the new cat food you gave her? And just this little, just, wow, she remembers that I gave my cat new cat food. He really gets me. Wow. That's that's cool. Now I was reading some of your blogs and you make some really, really good um, points about how to communicate and how to talk and the standard things that guys do in terms of asking questions that are just mundane and boring and you're, you're not really getting the person motivated. A question like, so how was your week versus asking a question? So what do you think about that person who climbed Mount Rushmore? You, you know, talk, talk a little bit about those important questions to make the, to keep the conversation exciting. Questions that don't have yes or no answers. Um, particularly, you know, you can slightly lead that person to a topic that maybe you know a lot about, you know, just subtly head in that direction so that you can connect on some kind of passion or hobby or whatever it is. Um, I think it, it's one of those, another one of those examples where there's not like these specific questions are the best. I think based on how that person is reacting to you, you ask a question that requires some type of actual in-depth response and you see, is she getting animated? Did she start using her hands? Is she, you know, leaning in? And if, if that's the response you're getting, yes ask more of those questions which kind of goes back to getting out of your head and watching Mm -hmm. these because Mm -hmm. a woman is giving you this steady stream of information even when she's not speaking and if you just tune into it sky's the limit and and is it okay to talk about sex and your sexual likes (laughs) i think that's the same kind of thing if you if you start talking to someone one about sex and they're leaning in and they're excited bingo and if they start to get uncomfortable and you know fidget and put their arms around each other you abort the patient emotion and uh talk about something else mm-hmm. so carol and i always and not to get too caught up in right, yeah. right right so carol and i always you know i mean we've been together um in a couple for for many many years and our listeners know that carol's ex-husband is married to my ex-wife <laughs> really yeah yes that is so interesting. Right. And it was before we got into swinging and stuff. Our marriages were on their way out. And if you don't haven't listened to the story, just go back and episode one, episode 10, episode 20. We've told the story many, many times. But we we discussed the fact that if something, God forbid, happened and we were single, 
we would have to go out and start dating and swinging in the lifestyle, which has been part of our life for 13 years now, um, is something we want to continue doing. And if we started dating, how and when would we bring that up with a new person that we met? I think one of the safest ways, of course, is is pursuing online websites in which everybody's on board with that. Because mm. that kind of eliminates that completely. I'm just such a fan of online dating for that very reason. Um, I like taking the things that are important to you and just, it's like if you walked into a, a, a club to have a drink and you could go, okay, only people at this age range that have this viewpoint that are also swingers that are this and go. And mm -hmm. suddenly that room is nothing but that. I mean, how else can you do that? Mm -hmm. In real life, obviously, you know, it, sometimes it involves a little awkwardness. It's because you, you have to, you know, tiptoe and bring these things up and see how far you can go. And I have a lot of clients myself who um, have some type of fetish and they don't know how to introduce it to the conversation. Um, and I always tell them, oh, you should go for a specific site. And they don't. They want to take the hard road and kind of just meet people organically. And it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. But, I mean, it is in in any context, even if it's something as simple as wanting kids or, you know, liking to travel or being afraid of airplanes. I mean, these are just things that come up in conversations. And, and what are some don'ts, conversations that you don't want to talk about things, at least on the first or second date? Oh, first or second date. You know, I had a guy on a first date who read me the Bible. Which I thought, <laughs> or no. Or, that or was, no. <laughs> that really happened. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I say you should stay away from politics and, you know, maybe your exes. But even that sometimes organically comes into the conversation and works out. So yeah. I don't know that those are hard no's. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And sometimes the awkwardness of it tells you right away a, a lot about the other person and whether you are compatible or not. So I'm not sure that you should stay away from the worst things. Um, because if the person, for example, is a diehard Republican and you're a diehard Democrat and you're never going to get along, it's good to know that on the first date or second date. I'm not sure if you need it on the first date, but certainly. I agree. Yeah. So I don't think there's really no hardcore no's unless, you know, well, you'll learn a lot about the partner, whether, you know, whether it's good or bad either way. Now, is, is it, one sec. Sorry. Is it okay to ask for a kiss on the first date? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think that goes back to feeling out your partner. I mean, if she's been kind of checked out throughout the whole meal, you can kind of say, all right, this isn't going anywhere. Maybe not the right time to ask for a kiss. But if things are going great, then why not? So, so I said that specifically, ask for a kiss, because in today's world, consent is paramount. Mm -hmm. and as, But she uh, could ask for a kiss too, she, not she just could, him. She could, yeah. but as simple as it is, it's just not okay to just do it. Yeah, just to jump in there unless you know that. And it's, and yeah. even even holding someone's hand, is it okay if I hold your hand? Is it okay if I, I put my hand on you? Because everybody is, I believe, a little bit too on the far side of don't, I can't, or and being this, careful. and being careful. But you have to be careful. And, mm -hmm. you know, we live in the swingers world and those rules, you know, ask first, no means no. And if you don't get an enthusiastic yes, it means no, have been paramount in our world forever. But in the regular world of dating, it, it's not. So it's important, guys out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about more th about the guys later, just ask. It's okay to ask. And I, I know women find it very, very sexy if someone says, 
I'd really like to kiss you. Yeah, it's, that is very romantic. I find that romantic anyways. It is. Now, if, we, if we're going back to your courses, and we just talked about a couple of the things, which mainly we're talking about communication is what you're teaching people to be mindful, listen well, the communication. What other things do guys do wrong when they're meeting someone that you help them through? Um, a big one is negging. Uh, negging is this kind of way of breaking down the female self-esteem so that you can, I don't know, seem higher up or get over that wall she puts up because a lot of women put up a wall when they go out and it's they're just protecting themselves um but uh and the negging works uh sometimes a girl's at a club and she feels she's looking spectacular and her hair's on point her makeup's looking fabulous and she's surrounded by all her hot girlfriends and you and you know you maybe you're kind of ignoring her but talking to all of her friends and then and then she says something and you're like you just had a little something in your teeth right here it's this little spinach or something and <laughs> and she goes from feeling like a queen to which tooth what are you talking about mm. you know so i mean it, it there's aspects of it that work but i feel like you can do this on a much more subtle level and it can still be effective one of my favorite examples is if you, you're talking to a girl and you know just hey how are you um, not so good. I just found out my boyfriend cheated on me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. How are you holding up? Oh, I'm just, you know, drinking and going to the gym. Oh, well, hopefully not at the same time. Ha ha. How, what's going on with you? Oh, you know, nothing. Just, uh, just dealing with some issues at my company. An employee of mine is being really disloyal and revealing all this information to the competitors and that disloyalty I just can't stand it now what you did is you heard what she said and you're like all right she's really upset that someone was not loyal to her mm -hmm. so I'm gonna come back with a story where someone was disloyal to me and I was also offended you've accomplished you're you know you've kind of let her know hey we're on the same page I'm also upset about something somewhat similar so you're still using that same process but it's a lot less shitty you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely that's very good advice I like that and do you practice conversations with your clients like I loved how you just did that role play on instantly it came out that role play I love that <laughs> and do you practice that do you have your clients practice how they would say or what they would do in this case Yes, we have virtual dates. Mm -hmm. So we actually go on a little virtual date and then I give them some notes of what they could have done better or I think they're really effective. No, oh, I like that idea. Wow, that is definitely a great idea. Couldn't we have a virtual date with you? <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of having a virtual date right now. You're absolutely Yeah, right. but we have our clothes on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this, you know where David's brain is, right? David's brain is always in the gutter. That's just the way it goes. I don't think it's the gutter. I think it's something that would definitely spice up our sex life. Absolutely, of course. Um, sex always spices up your sex life, David. Our sex life. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> Now, I know we touched on this earlier when we just started talking about COVID, but, and you said something very important that COVID actually, because of all this virtual and the new norm of meeting people, gives a little bit of an advantage over those who are afraid to talk to women. Go on a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, a lot of people um, haven't tried online dating for various reasons, and now it's pretty much mandatory if you want to meet new people. Where else are you going to go? I'm in Los Angeles. We are completely locked down. Um, so not only do you have the advantage of hiding behind your screen and thinking about what you're going to say before you say it, but now you have so many more options. And when you go on like Match.com, I mean, how many members do they have now? Millions and millions. I think it's like 60 million or something obnoxious. Worldwide, you can meet 
anybody anywhere right now. And uh, as sad as it is to say, you know, it is a little bit of a numbers game. So it's really important to, if you're really trying to meet someone, you should send out three emails a day. Wow. Um, and that's a perfect, at a nightclub, you know, if you have a drink with someone and you're not connecting, two hours later, she says, thanks for the drink, and then you've just wasted all that time. Um, I definitely want them to stay away from the, the copy-paste messages, though. There's a lot of copy-paste messages. They do, like, a thoughtful message, and they send it to a thousand different women, mm -hmm. and everyone can smell a copy-paste. Or just the standard, hey, sup. Uh, There's just yeah. so many of those. I mean, yeah. I look at my, when I use online dating, it's 90% sup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the copy and paste, but the software out there knows when you're copying and pasting things over 5, 10, 15 times. And a lot of them don't let those messages go through. So it's just work done for nothing. And if you really find someone that you like, why not personalize it? Why are you just copying and pasting? You know, in the end, you're just going to end up with someone who you're probably not interested in because you just sent it to 100 people because you could. Right. And not to mention, you, you, even if she didn't answer you that first time, don't completely write it off. Maybe she's busy with something. Maybe she didn't see your message. There's nothing wrong with sending out another message a couple months later. It doesn't have to be a dead end. And I mean, the first step is actually matching up with someone and then having a conversation online when the second step is actually now making a date. So you can where normally before COVID, you might go for a cup of coffee. What is the second step on virtual dating? I, I think that you can still meet somebody even now. I think I know where I am now. COVID tests are so accessible. I get them drive through style. Um, if, of course, if you're not living with elderly parents or anybody extremely high risk, you can, t it's just like a really nasty, aggressive STD and you can get tested beforehand, you know, before you meet them. Um, I don't think there's a need to completely eliminate in-person dating. It's just, you know, now it's sitting in a park under, mm. with it, which is cute. I mean, hey, you can go to the beach, you can go to each other's houses if you feel comfortable. There's still a way. I think, and I think a lot of people are more open to relationships now than ever before. A lot of this has made people feel lonely and more willing to connect with people on a, on a deeper level. And so do you so think, think do you think with this virtual first step meeting someone, they actually know a little bit more about the person before they actually go to get um, in person with them? Do you think that that's happening, that there's more of a connection before that yeah. first actual date? Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, I know I was serial dating for years, and it would have been nice to eliminate the ones that prior to the appetizer, I've already realized I don't want to have any conversations with this person. I think that really, because before it's like, you're hot, I'm hot, let's meet. And then you meet and have a horrible time. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think it's better to have a little bit of a conversation and really ask some important questions and see if you're textually compatible so I guess that leads to making sure that your profile, your online profile is, I guess, first of all, honest and accurate, and it does describe what you're looking for in a nice positive way. Uh, do you also train on how to fill your profile in properly? Oh, God, yes. Um, that There's such a need for that. The average online profile is, is painfully sad. 
Um, either it's just a sentence or there's just absolutely no effort put into it. There's just spelling errors left and right. It doesn't make much sense. Or it's a rant of all the things you hate about people. Um, those are very, very common. Um, I think you want to keep it somewhat short, but also, you know, put something in there that's amusing or entertaining or eye-catching. And, hey, if you're not super funny, steal someone else's joke. You know, look something up that <laughs> maybe you relate to that's funny. Throw that in there because you want to have – I remember I one of my good friends were just not compatible on that level. And I met him on Match.com, and his profile was absolutely hilarious. And I just contacted him, and I said, look, we should not date but you are fantastic. We need to be friends. And we're still friends to this day just because of his amazing online profile. They, they really leave an impression. Right. You know, we did a whole show about online dating. Um, we spoke, uh, we did one show with Demona Hoffman, um, who has dates and mates. And we did a show with someone from the UK. And so much of the show was about why people put up dishonest and fake information when your ultimate goal is to meet someone. Yeah, because it's a disservice in the end. I mean, it's constant where somebody meets them. and Oh, these were pictures from 30 years ago. And you don't really like being outside. And this and that. And all your pictures were hiking. You don't even like sunlight. Uh, mm -hmm. It's And I, I don't. I think they, they put up pictures of who they want to be. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then maybe that's that's how it comes. But it's, you're not doing yourself a favor, really. And then, um, and then one of one of the points that were put out is, you know, if you were applying for a job, your resume would be a story about you and and who you are and what you do and and a little bit about your personality. And why wouldn't you do the same thing if you're doing an online dating profile and you want to meet someone who you're going to spend the rest of your life with? And why people don't put the effort in just blew away us and the, the experts that we were talking to. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, some, some, it's, it's a bit of ego, I think, too. You know, you want to put up your, your – make yourself look so cool so you get so many emails. But then in the end, you're not really finding people you connect with. You're pissing people off. They're leaving negative comments at the end saying this person doesn't really look like what their pictures look like. I mean, like I've been on certain websites on and off for, you know, 20 years. And some of these men have remained 50 since 20 years ago. To <laughs> of now, course they have. Miracle. Yes. I mean. <laughs> miracle. Now, what, <laughs> before we take our break, I just wanted to ask you, what do you feel about the Tinder where you just swipe, 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 swipe left or right? And it's all completely visual. Like no one's even looking at a profile. It's just, do you like the look of the person? Do you like the look of the person? And that they're making a judgment based on their physical appearance. What is your opinion on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I know people that have been married from meeting on Tinder. So it definitely, you can meet people anywhere but we're just quickly going on and not even just real genuine attraction just first glance attraction because of course you can meet someone that maybe didn't immediately catch your attention but once you get to know them you think they're the sexiest thing on earth and you're really denying that you're just going off of you know specific symmetry in the face just scroll 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 and I know as a female I've scrolled past somebody I really thought was good looking. I was just so busy scrolling. No, 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 no. Oops. Oh, that was a yes. I can't go back. Yeah. So it, and it, I think it, uh, it matters with the thought process because you, you've clicked into just next, 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 
Um, and I think that that becomes such a disadvantage when it comes to actual dating. I think we're incorporating this incredibly long list of traits we want in a person. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting longer and longer and we're getting pickier and more difficult. Yeah, agreed, absolutely. Agreed. And it's almost a circle. Once you start into that circle, you can't kind of get out of it. But we're going to have some good talks coming up. We're going to ask Erica a little bit of personal information. and um, we're gonna Personal do- information? Yeah. We're going to talk about her sex life. Okay. <laughs> we're going to get totally into her sex life. We just want to remind everybody right now that we are Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we have our favorite section coming up called Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about Hito 2. We are... Yeah. Go- We are going there for 10 weeks this winter. Um, It really is our favorite place in the world. It's so sexy. You can get as mild or as wild as you like. And we're going to be there from January 15th to March 26th. And we're going to be broadcasting our podcast on location. Most of the time, we're probably going to be naked. And if you want to come down and see Carol naked, I know you don't want to see me. She's absolutely gorgeous. So are you, baby. Oh, thank you. Um, come on down for a week or, or even more. And you could be a guest on one of our podcasts. And of course, enjoy Hedonism 2 on the Grill Beach in Jamaica. I know. We really can't wait to get back home to Hedo. And it's going to feel so good to be there with all that delicious Jamaican food the amazing award-winning entertainment and all the sexy fun and erotic guests that are there every single week. So join us as we get naked on the beach again. Absolutely. Alrighty, we're back, but we didn't go anywhere. We're still Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. And you know, this is our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters and we all deserve it. Now it's time to get down and dirty with Erica. And let's start with some personal questions. Do you remember when you discovered great sex? How old were you? With whom? And what did you do? You know, I was. I, I like that question because I've never been actually asked that specific question. And I quickly came up with um, what would be my answer. And it was really, um, I think, around 22 when I really connected with somebody on a much deeper level. And it was emotionally, physically, spiritually just that that powerful it's like prior to that sex was very superficial like it was great i could have orgasms i enjoyed it but at that point it became almost a spiritual experience like my entire body heart soul everything was present and in that moment and just uh the the orgasms became a different experience, not just not just a physical orgasm, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I'm, I'm assuming you had sex before 22 since you were at Playboy at 19. Oh, yeah. How young were you when you had your oh, first yeah. sexual experience? And was it that mind-blowing or was it just bad? I was 13, so mm. maybe a little too young. Uh, and no, it was, it, ironically, as young as that was, at the time, I felt like everybody else is already doing it, so I'm late to this party. And was it a blowjob, or did you actually have sex? No, it was sex. Straight straight to the finish line. Wow. And was it a boyfriend at the time, or was it a hookup? Actually, no. Uh, yeah, just a hookup. Mm-hmm. We ditched lunch, and I broke <laughs> into my parents' guest house. Uh-huh. And when did you have your first serious Sorry. boyfriend where you actually thought you were in love with him? Or maybe you were High in love school. with him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? I was a funny kid, though. Like, even in elementary school, I would walk into class and sit down and be like, who am I going to have a crush on this year? And I would look around, find the cutest boy, and be like, that's the boy. I don't know where this came from, but that was what I did every year. Wow. I just, you're my victim. That's it. And then 
that was just I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I'm I, I don't sure think it's not a victim. victim. <laughs> I don't exactly. think it was a victim. But were you were you raised in a family that's open-minded or very conservative? No, very conservative. My dad's a Muslim, and my mom was raised Catholic, so it's very much like you know you should cover yourself up and wait till marriage and all that fun stuff. I think that tends to have an effect on people. I think the more conservative parents, yeah, you tend to go the other way. Especially when kids are trying to be rebellious and want to state their their own terms, right? So maybe that's kind of where it came from. Plus, I'm sure as a beautiful person as you are, people were attracted to you and you, you liked maybe the attention. And so you wanted to have that boy chase after you or you chase after him. Yes, absolutely. That's the problem, I think, too. I didn't have the best upbringing. And I think when you're neglected at home, you tend to maybe be a hypersexual and kind of try harder to get that attention. That's what kind of helped me a lot as an, um, an adult is transitioning from having sex because I'm seeking attention to having sex because I it's empowering because it, you know, yeah. I want to connect with this person. So that that was the moment that sex became, you know, a whole other ball game. Right, did did exactly. you feel like that too? Because you started having sex very young as well. Did you feel that it was similar to what Erica was saying? Well, I always assumed that I was attracted to guys. I always had a boyfriend, even if he dumped me, and then the next day I would have a new boyfriend. It was always the case. But I kind of, I grew up without a father. My dad died at a very young age. And so I just assumed that I had daddy issues and I needed to have a man around the, around me, a boy, a male around me. And so I kind of just went with it. You know, I just said, oh, that's how I am because I didn't have a dad. So I'm always going to have a boyfriend. And so I just did. You know, to this day, I don't think I was single for very long at all, ever. Now, Erica, when you when you were growing up, did you have a guy around or did you uh, masturbate at a young age as well? I, I did um, masturbate at a young age, but it was, it was very phone sex related. It was always definitely about a boy. I remember the first thing I ever used was a mascara wand, not with the clothes, yeah. but I mean, it was the only phallic object I could find. <laughs> Yeah, I remember there was that deodorant, uh, band deodorant that was shaped exactly like a penis. And it always reminded me of something. And that was the first thing that I used as a, as a dildo is the, is the roll on band roll on that many years ago. I, they, don't have, they stopped selling it probably because that was being used oh for that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> little did they know. I know. Right? Going the wrong way here. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's move on. I want to hear about Erica, who was the queen of late night TV and the softcore porn. And what was all that about? And how did it change you as a person in terms of learning about your sexuality? Um, I, I think I don't think I necessarily had a sexual awakening from softcore. I think at the time, because I'm really comfortable being naked. So I didn't really think of it as a big deal. And the guy's wearing a sock and the girl's wearing a Band-Aid. So it doesn't feel... I mean, I've actually had some real orgasms during a love scene simply because it's just rubbing on something and the motions are there. Um, but for the most part, it didn't feel all that pornographic until I actually saw it on television. And uh, I started receiving all the, the nasty judgment from society and all that. I didn't... Quite, I thought we were going in the, in the right direction. I mean, hey, right now the first lady is um, has a new modeling background. I thought we were getting a lot more open-minded, but it doesn't seem that way. And what's mm -hmm. what's the big difference between that softcore porn, which I know you told us isn't really out there anymore, versus the hardcore porn, which I guess is was, everywhere. Was everywhere. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the guy's wearing a sock over his, so you don't even see his genitals. And the girl's wearing a Band-Aid. There's an actual person there that puts her face in your vagina and is like, let me see if your anus and your vagina are fully covered. So, you know, you, it's like it's like Barbie's kind of doing oh, it. Oh, right, you. okay. But yeah. why, why do they have to have that covered? Is it just because it's on this type of media platform, platform that you're not allowed showing those things? They may have a thing about not showing genitals, but also lawsuits because in porn sets, they're getting tested every two weeks and in soft porn, that's not happening. So you obviously can't risk any bodily fluids being exchanged and then being sued because somebody got something on your set. So even if you were doing a bisexual girl-girl scene, both of you, um, you don't lick each other's pussies, you don't know fingers, no nothing, it's just kissing. It's titties and kissing and rubbing up against each other, basically Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, that's still still cool. Yes, and you do have a lot of wild people that are, you know, when the cameras are away, there's things happening. But but on camera, everyone's good little boy and girl. Oh, interesting. And you were saying to us that be- earlier that that doesn't exist anymore. They don't do those kinds of soft porn, soft core porn yeah. anymore, uh, mostly because people don't want to see that. Or like, why? What is your take on it? I think there's. I think it's a very very small. Uh, percentage of people that gravitate towards that. Most people, if you want, I know that when I'm looking for porn for motivation, I'm, I look up the really hardcore stuff. Um, so I think it's very rare that someone's like, I just want to see mild petting, you know? So, yeah, right. I, but they're, they're, they're out there. They're just not a big enough percentage of people to justify making the movies, I guess. Right. And so do you call yourself, do you identify as bisexual? I, I do. I think um, at first, when I turned 18, it was the mind of a teenager. I was like, boys are are awful. I must be gay. And then I spent a solid year just dating women just to kind of cleanse my palate. And, and then I kind of realized I couldn't be content with just women and then kind of went back to men. And then it, it it's so it's it's went up and down in the like percentage of interest category but definitely still um and that's something like people are so caught up with labels of you know am i I bisexual right now or maybe it's a fluidity thing maybe there's certain times when you really are and other times and that's okay you don't have to be so caught up in defining yourself as something especially on a consistent level and have you ever played as a unicorn with another couple so the single woman in a threesome I actually have not. Mm, interesting. Wow. But do you coach some of your clients about how to explore their sexuality if they're not sure or maybe and they're not feeling comfortable talking about it and you help them through it? Oh, definitely. Um, it, it's such a wide variety of clients. But I think um, I think for me, when I went into coaching, I wanted to coach everybody and anybody. And then what happened was I start, I was attracting a very specific clientele and I just started catering to them. Because most of these guys are are just on the ground floor trying to, you know, get their girlfriend or start having sex or maybe break out of uh, start having sex they actually enjoy. Um, sometimes it's it's you know just being in a marriage for a long time and wanting to to reignite that spark, which obviously takes some effort, especially if you're not willing to, you know, be as wild and creative as like you guys, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. I think it takes maybe even more effort to kind of try to 
Just, just to you get know, there, yeah, exactly. Now, you were mentioning earlier something, that concept that you explained to us about the ginger, and you did a video on this. Tell us about the ginger between relationships that you explained to us earlier. I know there's not a one-size-fits-all thing. However, I know for me personally and for a lot of people I know, um, you get, you finish a relationship. Maybe it finished for a really good reason, There's, but it's still hard. It's the, you. you your whole life was with this person and they've become part of your routine. So there is a mourning process, but you're lonely, you're horny. You don't want to sit there for six months and, and just, you know, reflect on this relationship. Um, so it's, I, I had a ginger, this is not a redhead, but I call it a ginger because when you're having sushi, you eat ginger to cleanse your palate between rolls. And, and we would kind of just have, go on a trip together and have just amazing, crazy, sex we'd set up stripper poles in the living room and break out oil and just completely crazy wild and of course that had like a really nice element to it because both of us knew it wasn't going anywhere it was just that moment so that was really freeing and then I really felt like it eliminated when you get into that next relationship and maybe you're shopping and maybe they say something that kind of reminds you of something that that other person said, but when he said it, it really pissed you off and then you snap at this person and maybe it doesn't even connect in your head, but you've kind of taken some of that baggage with you from the previous relationship and put it into this one and it's, it's inevitable and it's very human. I mean, our brains are programmed and they don't just you know, just clear the slate. I mean, same thing with the computer. You can delete everything off the hard drive, but there's still going to be some stuff on it. It's right. not going to be a brand new computer. And so I know that that's so it's okay to have rebound sex. Yeah. So the rebound you're I saying think. is to have the quickie or the crazy sex. I think actually after our marriages failed, we together, David and I, we found each other um, so sexually attractive, and we had our monkey sex for well, oh, the energy for, was yeah crazy. for like two a years. year, yeah, yeah, a year or two years, and actually it was kind of like that. The ginger, like you talked about, you know, getting rid of our old relationships, except then we fell in love with each other after. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, see? but it did start with that. We had the crazy monkey sex, just like you described, and it helped a lot to forget the relationships that, or make you feel better when you know you've broken up your relationship and you feel like crap. Just raw sex yeah just raw sex and let go of everything yeah, and without and, the string yeah yeah, yeah exactly absolutely. so so before yeah. we get into final advice america because we're getting to the end of the show i know this went super super fast erica we have two people that we need to shout out to because they're very important in your lives and our lives and one of them is ava cadell and the other one is dr nancy sutton pierce who's been on our show many times just tell us a little bit about what you do with them uh, I love them both. Uh, Dr. Ava Cadell, I've taken her course, Loveology University. Spectacular. She updates it constantly. Even if you don't want to be a love coach, if you just want to improve your own love and sex life, it's so fantastic to just really understand you know, everything related to, to sex, to dating, to gender, to trans, to polygamy, just everything she covers in her course. She's such a legend, such a trailblazer. I could talk about her for hours. I think she's just, she's the cat's meow. I really just think so highly of her. And Dr. Nancy, oh my God, what an enigma. I mean, fascinating human being. So goddamn intelligent and articulate and witty, but also so sexual and, and powerful and how she's, and it's so nice to see someone who's that comfortable with their sexuality, but also, I mean, she's a genius. Her brain is 
incredibly sexy. So it's, it's. I think women like those two. Ah, like if only, you know, they could multiply because I think it's it's just a wonderful, empowering, freeing way to be. Absolutely, and we know Dr. Nancy so well. We're actually going to be with her at Hito over Valentine's Day this year. And if anybody wants to um, join us, uh, you as well, Erica. Um, just go to our website. You can check out the trip. It's uh, Nancy's um, annual retreat. It's uh, a lot about, you know, finding yourself, especially for women. Uh, there's naked yoga. There's workshops. And you're right. She's absolutely a unique human being. And she really gets down to the couples and how to strengthen and make your relationships last longer. She's awesome. Absolutely. So Erica, it's down to the final advice here. If you could help us out, if you, what would you say would be the top two things that guys need to know to help them create a successful relationship? Um, once they're already in the relationship, that relationships take work would be uh, number one, probably. Uh, it's going to get stale at some point. Um, and it's up to you to do new things and to exp- especially, I mean, it, it, even if as silly as maybe taking a pottery class will do something to break the mundane pattern you just have to get out of the same old same old and do something new I'm really a fan of the jars where you know you make two lists and you come up with things that you really are into and then the second list is is things that you haven't really done but you're willing to try and then the third list is hard nose I never want to do these things and you look at each other's lists and take this into consideration and then you put these items into a jar And you can pick out of each other's jars. And you can go in so many different directions with this. You could be like, anytime you do the dishes without me having to ask, you get to pick an item from this jar. And and silly. And then you're going to getting what you want from certain things. But you're also keeping your sex life exciting. Um, I think that's a really important one to have fun and and play games with each other. And never lose that, you know, that that beginning, that new relationship energy. Yeah, the spark. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, Erica, <laughs> Erica, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know we can talk uh, a lot more about different things. I think we'll have you back later on in the year to really get into, you know, the, the, the guts of what it takes to go out there and date, um, especially as we come out of COVID uh, later this year. Uh, there's going to be a new normal out there. There's going to be rules. There's going to be things that have to be done. And I'm sure you're going to be one of the experts out there that people want to listen to. Why don't you take a minute and tell everyone how they can find you and reach you, website, social media? On my website is playmatepickup.com. You can find me on Instagram at Erica Jordan. Um, on my Instagram page, you can directly email me and ask me any questions. I have my personal site too, ericajordan.net. But uh, YouTube, I post regular free videos for sex and dating, usually every two weeks. And on sexpert.com, which hopefully will stick around, um, there's a lot of my articles there. So if you just Google me, you'll find a lot of free information. Excellent. And if you miss any of that information, of course, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests will have their own guest page, including Erica, and you can even contact her directly on our website. So check it out. Absolutely. And you know, we're learning more and more every week from all our sexpert guests like Erica, and we hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. And please remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Watch 
wash your hands, avoid touching your face, practice social distancing, and of course, please wear a mask when you're outside and, and around other people. Absolutely, and wear a mask. Well, that's it for our show today. Erica Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure, and like we do every week, we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. And join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Alrighty, that's it for our show today. Remember, stay safe, and of course, stay sexy. Sending you all lots of love, and of course, great sex. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 